word was with God, the word was God, the word was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made, and him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not recognize it. The light shines through the darkness, but the darkness didn't even notice. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Even in his own land and among his own people, he wasn't wanted. But to those who believed him, to those who believed in his name, to those who believed he was how he claimed and would do what he said, he gave the right to become children of God. And we have seen his glory, the glory that a one and only son can only receive from his father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word became human and lived here on earth among us. And having become human, He stayed human. He humbled Himself. He didn't accept any special privileges. He lived a selfless, obedient life to die a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that crucifixion. But it was our sins that did that to Him. He was bruised and wounded for everything that we've done wrong. He was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. He did all this just so we could be whole. And God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus is the master of all. This is the resurrection, that the Son came and gave his life, that he extended an invitation to know the God of all creation, that he offered us love when we knew no peace, that he offered us relationship when all we knew how to do was keep and break a bunch of rules. This is the resurrection, that in his death we have come to know life, that we can freely offer our life to him. Jesus is the Christ, amen? He is the truth. I can close in prayer now. Um, I thought you would like that video. That really recaps what we talked about last week and what we're talking about today. Jesus is the Christ. He is the truth. And he offers freedom. Last week, we talked about the truth. And if you weren't here... Um, it's real simple. <laughs> Jesus is the truth. He is the ego ami, the great I am. And in John 8:32, he said, "And you shall know that I am the truth, and I will set you free." Free from what? Well, that's what today is all about. Let's open in prayer. Father, we come before you right now. I pray that you'll speak through me, Father. That my words will be your words. Lord, I pray that this message will be an encouragement to those who already believe that you are the Christ, that you'll increase our faith in who you are and how you've set us free. Lord, I pray for those that might be here this morning or, or listening on the podcast who aren't sure who you are. Lord, I pray that this message will convict them to know that you are the truth and you set us free. Lord, we give this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, freedom, boy, there's a big topic. 
I thought this was going to be easy. But when you start thinking about freedom, boy, that's a big umbrella. The dictionary defines freedom. I'm not sure if this is up there or not. As the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Freedom is the absence of subjection to a foreign domination or a despotic government. Some synonyms for freedom are liberty, independence, or license. Freedom comes in so many categories. You can go to the, the next slide there. There's freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, freedom of choice, freedom of association. There's national freedom, there's political freedom, there's financial freedom, and the list goes on and on. When you think of freedom, you might think of our troops who have fought the last 200 plus years to protect our freedoms here in America. This picture might be hard to see. It says, freedom is not free. You're familiar with that slogan. That's at the Korean War Memorial in Washington, D.C. And often in our church, and rightly so, we honor our servicemen and women who fight valiantly for the freedoms that we have in this great nation. When you think of freedom, you might think of Martin Luther King Jr. and his famous speech that he gave at the Lincoln Memorial. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. In my own research, I found several, there's a great website where you can just type in a category, I typed in freedom, and all these quotes from famous people and what they have to say about freedom. Here's one from Abraham Lincoln. Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. I thought that was interesting. Mahatma Gandhi. Freedom is not worth having if it does not include the freedom to make mistakes. Interesting. The secular philosopher Thorne Kierkegaard. People demand freedom of speech as a compensation for the freedom of thought, which they seldom use. I actually like that one. This one really caught my attention. In our struggle for freedom, truth is the only weapon we possess. That is such a true statement. But coming from the Dalai Lama, it just... How far off we are. If you only knew the real truth and where real truth and freedom comes from. I like this one by a 19th century playwright. You should never wear your best trousers when you go out to fight for freedom and truth. And probably a, one that many of you are familiar with, Ronald Reagan. Freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handled on for them to do the same. You see all these freedoms we've talked about, whether national freedom, political freedom, financial freedom, civil freedom, freedom of speech. These all come and go. We've been so blessed in the nation that we live to have these freedoms. Um, but they're temporary. They may not last. 
And uh, I tend to believe um, that the more our nation takes the truth of God's word out of the public square, there's going to be a direct correlation with the freedoms that we have. Freedoms come and go. This last picture, I really liked a lot. Only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier. One died for your soul, and the other died for your freedom. And there's only one mistake in this. If I could rewrite this, I would write, Jesus Christ and the American soldier, one died for your soul, and they both died for your freedom. And that's what I want to spend the rest of this message this morning talking about, the freedom that Christ offers, his freedom is eternal. His freedom lasts forever. Irregardless of your circumstances, your physical freedoms may not last. As we look at the turmoil around the world, um, those freedoms may not last. But Christ offers freedom um, that will last forever. So with that, let's look at our text this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8 for part 2 of Truth and Freedom. What freedom does Christ offer us? If you're a believer this morning, you probably know everything I'm going to say. You can preach this for me. Um, But hopefully it will be an encouragement to your faith. And I'll give you the punchline now in case I start to ramble. And you forget everything I start to do or you start falling asleep or doodling on your note sheet. Or if you only have five minutes listening to this podcast in your car, here's the punchline. Your freedom comes from knowing who you are in Christ. Your identity is in Him. He set you free. John John chapter 8, verse 30. I want to continue our discussion that Jesus is having with the Pharisees in the temple, actually in the treasury, which I thought was really cool. Verse 30, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, it's interesting in verse 33, the Pharisees... um, Respond, we were Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. That kind of strikes me as interesting. Um, because as you study scripture and history, the Israelites have pretty much been in nothing but bondage. Um, Babylonians, Persians, Assyrians. And at the time this was written, or not written, but at the time this conversation was going on, they were under, you know, the Roman government had authority over their jurisdiction. Um, I think it's kind of symbolic, though, is that when people don't know Christ, 
you know, we're under the bondage of sin, as we'll find out in a minute, but people don't realize it. <laughs> they deny that they're under bondage. Um, I heard a story, or I read a story, and I can't remember where I got it from, but someone was describing what it's like for the unbeliever. Um, asked, you know, what is it like to be under the bondage of sin? I don't, I don't feel the weight of sin on me, says the unbeliever. And the Christian responded, well, um, what would a 4,000-pound weight feel like on a dead corpse? Well, they wouldn't feel anything. They're dead. And that's the point. When you don't know Christ, you're dead spiritually. You won't feel the weight of sin. It's when you're enlightened by Christ's truth that your eyes are open to the sin. And as Christians, we're more sensitive to the sin that's around us. And we're free to see that. Pharisees didn't get it. They're dead in their sins. They don't realize they're not in bondage. Of course, Jesus isn't talking about under Roman authority. What's the barrier to our freedom? The simple Sunday school answer, sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53.6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's no wonder Jesus said, in this same conversation in John chapter 8, going back to verse 24. Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in our sin- your sins. The barrier to freedom in Christ is our sin. What's the bridge to our freedom? And this is where grace comes in. <laughs> we sing about it all morning. The cross. Christ. Look at verse 36. Therefore, if who makes you free? The Son. The Son. Jesus Christ is who makes us free. Verse 36, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That's his guarantee. All other freedoms in this world are no guarantee. We're a generation away from the freedoms we enjoy. But with Christ, our freedom is eternal. And he guarantees it. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Isaiah 53 again. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity 
of us all. Keep your finger in John 8, but flip over real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. These past few weeks as I was preparing, this verse just hit me. You know how you read the Bible sometimes and, and you can just read and read and all of a sudden just something just hits you? This verse hit me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I've been a Christian a long time and, and I know the gospel, I know the truth, but for some reason it just hit me special this past week. He became sin. Think about it. The God of the universe, the creator of the world, became flesh and was obedient to the cross and became sin for us. This past week at the dinner table, we have devotions, not every night, but I always try to throw out a spiritual thought. And and, uh, I asked the kids, you know, as you have studied the Bible so far, what are some things that maybe... Jesus has been compared to in nature. And they were going around the table sharing what he's been, the Lamb of God, the Lamb, um, the Lion, uh, the Bread of Life, water. And they were going around and around. And Tori said he, she said it, but I didn't, I didn't hear it. Um, do you know that Jesus is also compared to a serpent? We often forget that. He was compared to a serpent. John chapter 3. I invite you to turn there. Let me just read Jesus' story with Nicodemus to you. John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And as Jesus lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, that story goes back to Numbers chapter 21, which I won't take the time to read this morning, but I'll explain the story to you. The Israelites have sinned, no surprise. Um, God caused snakes to come out and bite the Israelites, and many of them died. They cry out to Moses, Moses, pray to the Lord that we might be saved. Moses prays to the Lord, and the Lord God tells Moses, take one of those serpents and and put it on a pole, that whoever looks at it might live. And so he did, and those Israelites that were bitten looked at that pole in belief, and they lived. So Jesus in John chapter 3 says, just as Moses lifted up that serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up on that cross that whoever looks at that cross and believes might live. And our problem is we've all been bitten by that snake, by that serpent we call sin. And what's cool in, in that passage in Second Corinthians that we just read and here in John chapter 3 is Christ became that serpent. Christ became sin. He who knew no sin became Sin for us. That's the redemptive work of the cross. So yes, Jesus is the lion, the lamb, the living water, the bread of life. 
But he's also that image of sin. He became sin. What's the result? What has Christ's work on the cross freed us from? That first blank there. We are free from the penalty of sin. For theologians out there, this is called justification. Just as if I've never sinned. Romans 8.1 says... There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We're no longer condemned. The sin penalty of death has been paid for. We're free from the penalty of sin. John 3.18 also tells us, He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Not only are we saved from the penalty of sin, but the next blank, we're also saved from the power of sin. This is the present tense. This is called sanctification, the process of becoming more and more like Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When you believe that Jesus is the Christ, one of the things you've been freed from is the power that sin can have in your life. Christ lives in you now. We have his spirit to help us and to guide us through our present struggles. Not only are we saved from the penalty of sin and from the power that sin can have in our life, but that third blank says that we've been freed, we will be freed, this is future tense, from the presence of sin altogether. This is called glorification. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we will know when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Philippians three twenty and 21 says this. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. One day, these bodies will be new and will be forever out of the presence of sin. Our bodies will be glorified. The result of Christ's redemptive work on the cross has freed us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day we'll be free from the presence of sin altogether. Back to our passage. John chapter 8, verse 35. It says, And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. One of the things I like about the Gospel of John is in almost every chapter, 
he gives an analogy, an image of the sin state that we're in. And he healed the sins, the, all the signs he did were, were, were physical um, healings. But he always correlated it to a spiritual need. And here we have one in John 8.35. This image of we were slaves to sin. We were a slave. We were in bondage. But his redemptive work on the crisis freed us to become a son, a child of God. When you placed your faith in Christ, you became a son. You became part of his family. Let me show, uh, share a few scriptures that just highlight this. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To who? To those who believe in his name. Galatians 4. One through seven. Go on and flip there. This is this is good stuff. Galatians chapter four. I'm not going to do much explaining. I'm just going to read God's word and let it penetrate your heart. Galatians and Romans has a lot to say about us being children of God. Galatians 4, chapter uh, 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to what? to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. If you're a believer this morning... I want you to know, without a shadow of a doubt, you're not a slave. You're not a slave to sin. You're a son of the living God. And we have a father. We've been adopted into his family. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. What a sweet relationship that is. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to read this whole passage. It's very similar to the one we just read. But I want to highlight Romans eight seventeen, or verse 16. Very similar passage to what we just read in Galatians. But Romans eight sixteen says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Remember last week when I was sharing about... Um, all the people that testified of Christ, the people testified to who Jesus was, the Father testified, the rocks testified, even the demons testify that Jesus is the Christ. We also read about how the Spirit testified that Jesus is the Christ. 
You know what else the Spirit does? The Spirit testifies that you're His child. The Spirit lives in you and has sealed you until the day of redemption. And He testifies with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. If you don't know that you're a child of God, you can know it through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.14 says this, For he himself, Christ is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Christ's redemptive work on the cross has torn down that middle wall so that we can go from bondage to being a son. Really quickly, I just want to highlight what the other chapters in John say about going from sin to freedom. In John chapter 4 and chapter 7, you can read these on your own. Jesus has conversations or talks about people being thirsty. And says, I can give you living water. John chapter 5 is a story about the sick man, the uh, paralytic. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? In John chapter 6, we have the story where Jesus, the people are hungry physically, and he feeds them. But then goes on to explain, I'm the bread of life. Story after story after story, people have physical needs and want Jesus' healing physically. And he does. But then he takes it to what's really important. You need to be free. You need spiritual healing. I have the living water. I can make you well. I have the words of life. In John chapter 9, we have the story of the blind man, which we looked at briefly last week. And he says, he testifies, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. And when you come to the other side of the cross, one of the beautiful things about our freedom is that we can see. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 3. I want to read this beautiful portion of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Friends, when you place your faith in Christ, 
the veil was taken off. We were blind, but now we can see. And when you read his word and soak it in, we can read it for what it is, his truth. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Think about it. When you look in the mirror in the morning, getting ready for work or for your day, who do you see? Do you see your burdens? Do you see your worries? Do you see your frustrations? Or do you see who you are in Christ? When you can see who you are in Christ, that's freeing. You've been redeemed by his blood. Our sin is no longer an issue. Do you see yourself the way Christ sees you with unveiled face? Think about that. Let that meditate in your heart this week. See yourself the way Christ sees you, not the way the world wants to see you or you want to see you. See yourself how Christ sees you. John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and he tells him, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you may die, you will live. Have you been set free this morning? Yes, good. Are you free to live or are you weighted down by the burdens of this world? Galatians 1 tells us that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. What an amazing thought. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Live a free life. A freedom who you are in Christ. I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, as I think about the freedoms we have in America and the freedom that we have in Christ, I couldn't help over the past month or so to think about the persecuted church. And there's people all over the world, Christians, who lack physical freedom, but are freer than a lot of people that we know in the freest nation on earth. They've been freed from the bondage. They have Christ. In some of my studies, um, I came to learn that more people have been martyred because of the name of Jesus in the last hundred years than all the previous centuries combined. I encourage you, as part of your prayer life, to pray for the persecuted church. We come here freely, Sunday after Sunday, in Bible study after Bible study, without fear of persecution. We proclaim the name freely. I get to do it every single day at school. Praise God for the freedoms that we have. But we have brothers and sisters in Christ who don't have and share the same freedoms that we do. I I have four resources for you. The uh, persecution.com, open doors usa.org, onewiththem.com, worldwatchlist.us that tracks the persecuted church. Places like North Korea, China, Iran, um, and the persecutions that are taking place. My eyes were open. I had no clue of the persecution that's taking taking place right now. Egypt is in the news. This past week, 20 Christian churches burned to the ground. Um, Persecution. 
I want to close this morning with a video um, of a story. I like stories. This is a story about the hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And um, well, I'm going to let the video speak for itself. But as you watch it, think about the persecuted church. story of a small village in India. And in this village, there was this family that came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This agitated the village so much and everybody became so upset that an angry mob gathered and shoved them into the public square. The village chief confronted them and he said to the man, if you and your family will not recant your faith, you all will surely die. The man didn't know what to say or what to do. And so the only thing that came to mind for him were the words of a song that he himself had composed when he had first surrendered his life to God. And so he began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And with that, horrifically, his children were killed. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning He was given another chance, this time with his wife's life on the line. And yet he continued to sing, Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still After her tragic death, he was given one final opportunity, this time to save himself. And yet he continued to sing.
even though that man and his family died on that day, something remarkable happened. A seed was planted in the heart of that village chief, a seed that began to grow over time, and eventually he called the community together in that very same neighborhood, in that very same square, and he renounced his former faith and declared his allegiance to Jesus Christ. And a celebration broke out in that moment, and the gospel began to flourish and to grow in that community, not just in that village, but across the whole region, because they had seen real faith, and they knew the true character of God because of a family that believed and sacrificed even under the penalty of death. you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and though you may die you will live do you have that freedom I pray you do will you pray with me Father we come before you so thankful for your grace in our life we thank you for your son Jesus Christ who is the truth the way and the life. Lord, we know that no one comes to you but through him. Father, we thank you for the cross, that your son was obedient even unto the point of death. Lord, we know he didn't stay there. We know the rest of the story, that on the third day he raised. He lives today and will come back for his church. And so, Lord, I pray for those here this morning or those listening that they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. Lord, help us to live lives of freedom knowing that our sins are covered by your son's blood. How freeing is that? Father, we thank you for the story of this, this Indian man who though he died, he knew freedom and he knew life for the revival that it started. And Lord, we pray today for the persecuted church, those all around the world that are suffering physically simply because they name the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift them in prayers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, go with us now and help us to understand the true freedom that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.